those of you that have your Bibles, I'm going to ask you to turn with me to the book of Ephesians chapter number four. Ephesians chapter number four. And we're going to begin our reading at verse number 17. As, as most of you all know, we've been uh, going through our uh, emotionally healthy spirituality course, and we're in the middle of that, and we're sharing uh, with you from that because I want everyone in this body and those who are listening via live stream to know that God desires for us to be healthy spiritually. But there's one caveat that's causing a lot of Christians, I think, to fall short of where God wants to do because it is impossible to be spiritually mature when you're emotionally immature, you're emotionally unhealthy. When you have not allowed God to get into that part that's below the surface, that part that when we look at that iceberg, if you can pop that iceberg back up for me, Jay, just real quickly, uh, most of us only let people see that, that 10% that's above the surface. And we feel like that's the real us, but that 10% is, is, is certainly uh, far less than the 90% that's below the surface. Are y'all with me today? And that's that hidden stuff, that stuff that you don't talk about, that stuff that you, that you got to, in your little secret closet that God says, I, I'm knocking, let me in there. That secret sin that you're doing, you think don't nobody know about it. God says, let me in there. Those emotional hurts and pains, that stuff that you haven't allowed anybody to deal with because you try to be a man. A man don't cry. A man don't show emotion. And it's that stuff beneath the surface that God says is stopping each one of us from being the type ambassador for Christ that he desires for us to be. So look at the neighbor and say, neighbor, are you going to let him beneath the surface? Come on, look at him. Look at me and I say, neighbor. Are you going to let God go beneath the surface? Hallelujah. That's what we're looking for, guys. Because if we're going to be spiritually mature, we've got to be emotionally mature and mostly healthy also. So in Ephesians, the fourth chapter, guys, looking at verse number 17, and we're going to read that uh, into your hearing right quick. The text says this, with the Lord's authority, I say this. Now, who's writing this text, y'all? Come on, Bible studies. The apostle Paul is writing this letter. And he's writing it to the church at Ephesus, a Gentile church. Look at what it says. With the Lord's authority, I say this. Live no longer as the Gentiles do, for they are hopelessly confused. Everybody say hopelessly confused. (laughs) Next verse says what? Let's go. Their minds are full of darkness. They wander far from the life God gives because they have closed their minds and hardened their hearts against him. Verse, the next verse says, they have no sense of shame. They live for lustful pleasure and eagerly practice every kind of impurity. Now, before we go a little further, who is he talking about here? The Gentiles. All right, we're going we're gonna to unpack that in just a second. Next verse says what? But that isn't what you learned about Christ. Next verse says what? Since you have heard about Jesus and have learned the truth that comes from him, text says, Throw off your old sinful nature and your former way of life, which is corrupted by lust and deception. 23 and 24. Instead, let the spirit renew your thoughts and your attitudes. Everybody say thoughts and attitudes. Next verse. Uh, put, uh, put on your new nature created to be like God, truly righteous and holy. Truly righteous and holy. So today we're going to talk about know, know yourself that you may know God. This is the second uh, component in our study on emotionally healthy spirituality. Know yourself that you may know God. Everybody say, know myself that I may know God. Now, nobody should, you know, a lot of us really don't know ourselves. A lot of us are confused. This church here 
that Paul is writing to is a Gentile church. And this Gentile church, uh, when he talks about uh, the, the Gentiles, uh, Jew and Gentile were two different people. If you were not a natural born Jew, then you considered to be a Gentile. I told you before, as far as God is concerned, there's only two races, Jew and Gentile. But then we'll, we'll, we're going to add a third race to it today because Jew, Gentile, and then the church. Everybody say Jew, Gentile, and then the church. I want to quote something from our study, and it's on your outline. It says, awareness of yourself and your relationship with God are intricately related. In fact, the challenge to share our old false self in order to live authentically in our new true self strikes at the very core of authentic spirituality. At the very core of authentic spirituality. I share with you when we start this series that uh, surveyors tell us that when they look at the lifestyle of those who are not born again versus those who say that they're born again, they're in the church. When they look at those lifestyles, there's not a lot of appreciable difference in the way the world is living and the way the church is living. Let me say it again. There is not a lot of difference when you look at a Christian versus a non-Christian in lifestyles. And guys, I'm telling you, that is a problem. The church should be different. Everybody say different. The church should be different from from the world. But when we start looking at lifestyle, I am not talking about coming to church. I am talking about when we are living daily, how we approach problems, how we talk to one another, how we address issues uh, all along the spectrum. There's not an appreciable difference between those who say they know the Lord and those who have never made a profession of faith in Christ Jesus. And therein lies the problem. That's why we got to deal with this emotionally healthy spirituality thing because what that's doing is it's causing us not to be those mighty ambassadors that God desires for us to be. So we got to become aware of who we are, knowing yourself that you may know God. A lot of us, if we're really uh, honest about it, if you start really looking at our lives, a lot of us are in self-deception. We've deceived ourselves into believing that we're connecting with God when in actuality, there's a lot of distance between us and our God. And God says, I don't, I don't like that. God, God says, I saved each one of us. He saved each one of us to bring us into close fellowship with him. And I'm going to tell you something right now. If you name the name of Christ, if you ever made a profession of faith in Christ Jesus, God would do whatever it takes to bring you back into his presence. He'll use whatever mechanism that he, that's out there that's available to bring you into his presence because he loves you that much. He loves you that much. He don't care where you've been, what you've done. If you name the name of Christ, if you've accepted him at one point in time in your life, then God wants to get you back into his presence. He wants you to be close to him. Everybody say close, close, close. Say, I got to get close. I got to get close. Say, I got to get close. Come on. This is, this, this is going to be a participating sermon today, okay? Say, I got to get close. Uh, you know, uh, it's, uh, 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 it's very important for us to realize. And I, look, look at this. A lot of us are not aware. Let's, let's look at awareness right here. What does that mean? Awareness means knowing something. Everybody say knowing something. There are a lot of things that a lot of us in, in life are not aware of. And because we're not aware of it, we don't get a chance to take advantage of certain things. Awareness means knowing something. It implies a knowledge beyond thinking, a knowledge that comes from experience. 
experience, experience. The Hebrew word for being aware is the same one used to describe Adam and Eve's sexual intimacy. Think about that for a second. The, the, the Hebrew word for being aware is the same one used to describe Adam and Eve's sexual experience, sexual experience and sexual intimacy. When the Bible says in the KJV that Adam knew Eve and bore him a son, that word knew, is, uh, it, it means intimate knowledge. It means knowing fully and completely. It's a knowledge that involves the whole person. You know, I just recently did a, 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 a wedding uh, on this past Thanksgiving, and this song wasn't sung in this particular wedding, but I hear it sung quite often, John Legend's song, All of Me. How many of y'all remember that song? Uh, and, and, and part of that song says this, it says, cause all of me loves all of you. It says, love your curves and all your edges. How many of y'all got some curves and some edges? All right. It says, all your perfect imperfections. How many of you got some imperfections? Okay. It says, give your all to me. I'll give my all to you. You're my end and my beginning. Even when I lose, I'm winning because I give you all of me and you give me all of you. Oh, I stood it in. It's a little over in there. All of me. The word aware means that I have intimate knowledge. Adam knew Eve fully and completely. And when you know somebody intimately, fully and completely, then it takes your relationship to another level. Now, guys, in order to solve a problem, a person must be aware of it. Is that right? Uh, in order to grow and develop spiritually, a person must likewise be aware of their need to do so, of their need to grow spiritually. There are people sitting in churches who think that they're okay and been the same way for 20 years, have not changed, have not changed their lifestyle, have not changed what they do ministry-wise. they just in church. They are a member of the church, may be saved, but have never progressed and grown in their faith to where God can utilize them to advance kingdom agenda. And therein lies the problem with the church today because the church is not having the impact because we're not, a lot of us not even aware that we're, that we're sorely lacking in our relationship with God. God desires intimacy with us. Everybody say, God desires intimacy with me. See, becoming aware, just, just being aware doesn't solve the issue of the problem by itself, but the issue of the problem cannot be solved without being aware. One of the greatest obstacles in knowing God, we, dis- we discovered, is our own lack of self-knowledge. Amen. So we end up wearing a mask before God, before people, and even before ourselves. We'll even fool ourselves. Self-deception is the worst kind of a deception. When you're deceiving your own self. I believe it's in the book of James. Uh, I, you don't quote me on that, but, but I think there's a, there's a verse that talks about uh, be ye doers of the word and not hearers only doing what deceiving your own selves see when we come to church when we come to be a part of this 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 body of faith here and we understand and we know what the word of God says when it's rightly divided properly exegeted properly hermeneutically applied in our life when we know what the word of God says but choose to do different then we are in self-deception that's what James says when a person hears word but doesn't do word, he's in self-deception. Everybody say self-deception. 
Oh, y'all, don't, y'all, y'all don't want, live stream, y'all talk to me. The audience here don't want to talk today. Everybody say self-deception. There we go. Self-deception. Whenever we know what the word of God says, but we refuse to do that word, we're deceiving our own selves. Now watch this, watch. The vast majority of people, amen, the vast majority of people uh, go to our, their graves without knowing or being aware of who they are. Most of us go to our grave without being aware of who we really are. Now let's get back and unpack this, this fourth chapter here because we're talking about knowing yourself that you may know God. If I don't really know myself, if I'm not really honest with myself, if I can't be honest with me, then how am I going to let God in there beneath the surface to deal with my stuff? If I'm pretending like I don't have no stuff, then I'm okay. Everything is good. I don't feel nothing. I'm fine. And when we're really not fine, then how in the world is God going to move us to the next level in him? We got to get aware. Everybody say be aware. Now, the believer is to walk differently. Now, notice as we go back here to Ephesians, the fourth chapter, I, I want to unpack some of this and then we're going to, I'm not going to keep you alone today. That's the famous last words of a Baptist preacher, isn't it? As I heard it to a close. How many of y'all heard a preacher say that before? Now, 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 now watch this. This passage here in Ephesians, the fourth chapter, this passage contains, uh, I'm, I'm going to say it contains an outstanding truth that I think we got to grasp. And I think I know we, we got to grasp and we got to understand if we're going to live our lives, guys, as a true ambassador for Christ, as a true disciple of Christ, knowing yourself that you may know God. Here, the Apostle Paul, again, uh, is writing in this, this letter to the church in Ephesus, a Gentile church. Now, again, what's this truth I'm talking about? Well, here's what we got to realize. Believers... Believers, everybody say believers. Believers are neither Gentiles or Jews. Believers, as far as our classification, once we invite Christ into our heart as our Lord and Savior, we're no longer Jew nor Gentile. Male nor female, bond nor free, we're all one in Christ Jesus. Once we accept Christ as our Lord and Savior, We are now considered to be part of the body of the family of Christ. We are actually a new race of people. I told you before, and Brother Tim said this so eloquently, as far as God is concerned, he only sees two races, Jew and Gentile. Because Jews are the the Jewish race is the family on earth that God chose to come through in order to birth the Savior into the earth realm. So either you are part of that family that was the lineage of Jesus, which is natural born Jews, or you were a Gentile, not who's not a Jew, okay? So we got Jew and Gentile. But the beauty of this whole thing is, is that I told you before, that Jesus died on the cross to bring Jew and Gentile together into one body, such that we're no longer classified as Jew or Gentile. As a matter of fact, guys, I want to share with you, we're no longer we, we spend a whole lot of time in America and across this globe, but particularly in America, identifying ourselves based on what we look like on the outside. And it's a crying shame because, see, God ain't, God ain't really concerned about you being black or white. As a matter of fact, Jew and Gentile were the two races that he, he knew. Either you were a part of the natural born Jewish family or you were not. And so, but he brought Christ here to bring Jew and Gentile in together into one body. So we are a third, here's the truth, there's a third race, and that's the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. Can I get a witness? 
So, so the exhortation here in verse number 17 is that, is that we no longer walk as Gentiles walk. That is, the believers are set off and set apart from the Gentiles. They're no longer classified as Jew or Gentile. As a matter of fact, go to 1 Corinthians, the 10th chapter. If we can put that up real quick. 1 Corinthians chapter number 10, verse number 32. And let's take a look at that right quick. Know yourself that you may know God. So, so part of us knowing ourselves is, is to stop focusing in on what we look like on the outside. That's the problem that the church has. Now listen, I'm not saying that you, that you downgrade your, your natural ethnicity, but what I'm saying is don't put your faith and trust in the fact that I'm black, I'm white, or I'm Hispanic. We spend a whole lot of time with that differentiation, and God is saying, I don't see it that way. I see you as neither Jew nor Gentile, but you're all one in Christ. You are a third race of people, and that is the body of Christ. Yeah, I know James Brown says, say it loud, I'm black and I'm proud, and I'm black and I'm proud, but my ethnicity should not trump my spiritual birth. I'm going to come to this side and say it again. My ethnicity should never trump my spiritual birth. I've got to come to the middle and say it again. I should not spend all my time talking about my blackness or my whiteness. If I'm going to be biblical. Now, if you don't want to be biblical, if you don't want to be that disciple of Christ, if you don't want to be that ambassador for Christ who's giving themselves totally and completely to God, then keep on talking about what it looks like on the outside. Because what it looks like on the outside don't get me anywhere with God. And the church has got to start preaching this. My white evangelical brother's got to start preaching this. My black evangelical brother's got to start preaching this. Is that in Christ Jesus, we are one. Start, start acting like it. Hello? All of, this, all of this division, I told you before, Satan loves division. He don't care how he divides. He, he divides you denominationally. He'll divide you race-wise. He'll divide you geographic-wise. He'll divide you denominational-wise. He don't care. He just want to divide. He'll divide husband and wife to mess up the family. Can I get a witness? He likes division. Look at what the text says here in 1 Corinthians 10, 32. Paul is writing here to the church of Corinth. Notice what he says. Don't give offense to Jews or Gentiles or the church of God. Here he is laying out these three categories of people, Jew, Gentile, and who? The church of God. Isn't it interesting that he differentiates there? Don't give offense. Don't offend to either Jew or Gentile or the church of God. So either I'm going to be a natural born Jew, either I'm going to be a Gentile, somebody who's born, who's not a Jew, but is not saved, or I'm going to be a part of the church of God. I don't know about you, but if I'm going to get to know my authentic self, I got to be a part of the church of God. Is everybody still walking with me today? So, so again, watch this. Uh, uh, we who are born again believers, and the point that's being made here is that, that we are a third race on earth. We are a third race on earth, amen? We are the new creation. We are the creation of a new body of people, a new nation, a new race here on earth, the church of God. How many of y'all out there are part of the church of God? All right, so if you're part of the church of God, if you're a born-again believer, then now my focus is not on what I look like on the outside. 
although I know it's clearly evident that I am uh, 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 dark skin and pigmentation, right? That's very evident. So you ain't got to say that. You know that, right? But that's not what defines me. What defines me as a born again believer is my relationship with the Savior who died on Calvary for my sins. Amen. There, you know, we 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 are the church is the, is the new race of people who are going to inhabit the new heaven and the new earth. The believer is not supposed to walk after the Gentiles. That is after men. Now, now notice what he said. Let's get back here, and we're going to walk through verse seventeen through nineteen real quickly. Are y'all still with me? Know yourself. That you may know God. Know who you are. Be comfortable in your own skin. I tell you before, I know who I am in Christ Jesus. So I'm not sitting around trying to be somebody who I'm not. I know who I am in Christ Jesus. And I'm thankful that God made me the way I, he made me. Amen. I'm always trying to improve. I'm always trying to, to get to be more like Christ every day that I'm alive. But I don't spend my time wishing to be somebody else. Because you don't know what somebody else is going through to be where they are. Some of y'all wishing you were a billionaire. Well, maybe you wouldn't even be able to handle being a billionaire. I hear some of y'all saying, I would like to try, Pastor. I know you would. But somebody, somebody, listen, there's a whole lot of stuff that's going on in this world that we're not even aware of. So know who you are in Christ Jesus. Watch what the text says here. Can we read it out loud on purpose? With the Lord's authority, I say this. Live what? No longer as the Gentiles do. Now, again, remember when you see this word Gentile here in this context, he's talking about unregenerate people. He's talking about somebody who's not born again. Now, remember, he's writing this letter to whom? The church, the church of God. We saw in 1 Corinthians 10, 32, that there's three classification of ethnicity of people as far as God is concerned. There is Jew, there is Gentile, and there's what? The church of God. Which one are you? Jew, Gentile, or the church of God? Gentiles are those who do not, do not have a born-again experience. With the Lord's authority, Paul said, live no longer as the Gentiles do, for they are hopelessly confused. Everybody say, hopelessly confused. See, I, I, listen, I don't want to be in a position as a born-again believer where I'm hopelessly confused. Here, here, let me give you about seven characteristics. You can just jot these down, uh, and I don't have these in your notes, but jot these down. Seven characteristics of, 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 of the Gentile, of the unregenerate person. Number one, unbelievers walk in the vanity of their mind. The vanity. Another word for vanity is emptiness. Unbelievers walk in the emptiness of their mind okay the mind includes the ability to will and to do the truth as we know the truth it includes morality as well as reasoning and understanding the word vain again means empty it means senseless it means unsuccessful it means worthless see whenever you as a born-again believer push God out of your mind you're going to be doing vain senseless empty Worthless stuff. Whenever you push God out of your mind, you're going to do vain, empty stuff. Stuff that in your, in your flesh you think, I got to have this. All right? I need this. Uh, whether it's something to drink, whether it's sexual immorality, you think, I got to have this. And then after a while, you begin to 
understand that when all you have is sex with somebody, even that sexual act becomes a vain act. Let me say it again. Even that sexual act becomes a vain act because sex won't ever just satisfy you. Let me come to this side. I said, just the sexual act won't satisfy you. That'll get old after a while. So you you ever wonder why it is that that guy who you say you love and you're giving your all to him and he hadn't given all himself to you, he's just having a sexual act. There's no connection. There's no emotional connection. And after a period of time, he's going to find somebody else to do the same thing with you. He'll do the same thing with them that he's doing with you because there is no connection. Sex in and of itself becomes empty and vain if there's no emotional connection, if there's no covenant relationship there. Are y'all still tracking with me? See, when we push God out of our mind, then we do vain stuff. We do empty stuff. We do stuff that, that, that pulls us apart from God. God's not even in our thoughts any longer. Uh, the unbeliever's mind uh, is ready to be filled with all kind of worldly stuff. So we have to realize that, that we got to be careful that, that we don't walk in the advantage of our mind. Because Paul told us, don't walk like Gentiles walk, right? And I just told you that, that when, when we really get down to brass tacks, when, when people are really dead level honest, a lot of Christians are living just like the world, saying the same stuff that the world says, acting the same way. And God says, that's not what I call you to do. First of all, recognize it. Recognize it. Acknowledge what you are. Because if you don't know who you are, if you're not really honest about the, what you like and what you don't like, what you're willing to do, what you're not willing to do, then you won't let God into that space where he wants to get into and to begin to try to transform your life. Amen? So, so unbelievers walk in the vanity of their minds. Uh, you know, you know, uh, the, the Negro, United Negro College Fund had a, a slogan which they still use, a mind is a terrible thing to waste. And I'm telling you, your mind is a terrible thing to waste. What have you been thinking about? I don't know. You need to be thinking about something. It, it amazes me at, at the vainness of a lot of people who sit around and don't think about anything as it relates to their relationship with God. Just vain. Just empty. Don't have no, no, no clue about what's happening in their life. Guys, unbelievers walk in the vanity of their mind. The second thing that unbelievers do is unbelievers walk with their understanding darkened. Go to Ephesians 4, 18. They, they walk with their understanding darkened. Understanding. Wisdom is the principal thing, therefore get wisdom, but in all you're getting, get what? Understanding. Ephesians, the fourth chapter, verse number 18 says this, their minds are full of darkness. Now, the word understand means to grasp. It means to comprehend. It means to perceive. To be darkened means to be blinded and unable to see. Guys, listen, there's a reason why sometimes if you come to church and you're a part of a ministry, you, 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 you're saying to yourself, I don't understand what's going on. I, Pastor Adam get there and preach for 45, 50 minutes and he just lose me. Well, it ain't all me. Now, sometimes it could be me, but most of the time I don't think it's just me. See, when, you're, when, when, when you move and you push God out of your mind, the more you push God away, the more reprobate your mind becomes. Watch this. The more you sin, the more time you spend away from God, the more you're going to get away from him. 
Somebody said once absent makes the heart go fonder, fonder it, 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 it depends. Because the longer you're away from God, the more comfortable you get being away from God. Let, 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 me, let me break it down for you. How many of y'all ever went through this stage of period in life where you, 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 were, you were faithfully connected to your church ministry, you were, you were there every Sunday, and all of a sudden you miss a Sunday? Or you miss that one Sunday and everything, you know, you, you kind of feel bad about that because you really, you just slept in. You slept, you said, I'm going to sleep in this Sunday because I, I had a rough night Saturday night. I'm going to sleep in. And then next month you missed two Sundays. And so, so, so you felt real bad after the first one. You didn't feel quite as bad after the second one. The next thing you know, three months from now, you're missing three out of the four Sundays. And next thing you know, you don't even show up at all. And here's a kicking part about it. You used to be there, engaged and involved, and now you don't show up at all, and it don't even bother you. Your conscience has become seared like a hot iron. And so it, it, it becomes dull. So the more you're away from God, the more you push God away, the more you're going to be farther away from him. God is always trying to draw you and call you back to him. Let me tell you something. He loves you. I don't care how long you've been out. God says, I want you in. I don't care how long you've been separated. God says, I'm going to do whatever it takes to bring you back into my presence. I love you that much. That I'll cause, I'll, I'll, put, I'll remove my hands from you and I'll turn you over to your reprobate mind and I'll let you suffer the consequences of all your actions. I'm going to tell you all something. There's a lot of stuff that could have and should, could have and should have happened to us when we were in our deranged, uh, uh, blinded mindset that God says, he, he really don't know what he's doing, but I'm going to cover him. You'll be when we get to heaven, I think we're going to be surprised at how many times the enemy was getting ready to take us out because of our foolish decision. But God stepped in and stopped that attack on us because you were belong. You belong to him, but you strayed away from him. So 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 unbelievers walk with their understanding dark. In other words, they're not able to understand the things of God. Amen. Uh, there's a passage uh, uh, that. Um, that I want you to read with me um, in verse number Acts, the 28th chapter, verse number 27. Let's look at that right quick. Acts 28, verse number 27. So we said, first of all, uh, unbelievers walk in the advantage of their mind. Second of all, we say unbelievers walk with their understanding darkened. And, and, and Acts, the 28th chapter, we're, we're going to look at verse number 27 here. And I read, it says, for the hearts of these people are hardened and their ears cannot hear and they have closed their eyes so their eyes cannot see and their ears cannot hear and their hearts cannot understand and they cannot turn to me and let me heal them. Now guys, let me tell you something. Whenever you get to that point to where you, 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 your heart is grown wax cold, when, when, your, when your ears are dull of hearing, you can't understand, when your eyes are closed to the things of God, then you won't be able to walk with God in newness of life. And God desires that from every one of us. So unbelievers walk with their understanding darkness. Third thing that unbelievers do is unbelievers walk alienated from the life of God. Unbelievers walk alienated from the life of God. In other words, we are aliens. You, an unbeliever can't connect with God. And Paul is telling the believers, don't walk like the other Gentiles walk. Don't walk like the Gentiles. You are part of the church of God now. So unbelievers walk alienated from the life of God. They are spiritually dead. And, and, and if they don't make a change, they're going to be doomed 
for eternal damnation in hell. Hell is a real place, guys. And I know we don't talk about it in church a lot nowadays, but there is a literal heaven and a literal hell. And God says, you don't have to go. I want you to be with me. I want you to be a part of my family, but God won't make you get there. You got to do it yourself. Amen. You got to be willing to accept him as your Lord and Savior. So again, uh, alienated from God. The fourth thing that unbelievers do, unbelievers are past a past feeling. They become cold. That is, they reach a point where they no longer have feelings for God and his standard of morality. Unbelievers, they, they, they reach a point to where they don't really care about things of moral nature. Now, you got to ask yourself the question, where am I on that spectrum? Am I a born-again believer who's, who's like the folks in Corinth where I'm a baby Christian and I have not grown and now I feel like I will do whatever I want to do and I'm big enough to do. And pastor, don't you tell me what I can do or what I can't do. Guys, listen, I love you. I love every last one of y'all here. And I want God, I want, I want you to be in a position where God can utilize you to advance his kingdom agenda. But we got to realize that unbelievers, and you got to be careful that you're not an unbeliever. Unbelievers are past feelings. Fifth thing about unbelievers is unbelievers give themselves over to all forms of sensual living. The, the key, KJV says lasciviousness. Let's get back, if we will, uh, and take a look at uh, from Ephesians, the fourth chapter. Uh, look at verse 18 and 19 right quick. OK, unbelievers uh, give themselves over to lasciviousness or to all forms of sensual living, pursuing all kind of lewd acts and sexuality. That's what unbelievers do. Watch this. Their minds are full of darkness. They wander far from the life God gives because they have closed their hearts and hardened their hearts. They closed their minds and hardened their hearts against him. 19 says what? They have no sense of shame. They live for lustful pleasure and eagerly practice every kind of impurity. Now, guys, watch this. Have you ever been in a position to where you stop caring about how you were living? Have you ever been in a position to where you stop being concerned about what your lifestyle was speaking to others about? I'm talking about since you've been born again. Paul is writing this to the church and he's telling the church, don't act like the world. Right? So why would Paul feel the need to tell the church not to act like the world? See, because some were acting like the world. See, in, in, in all of Paul's letters, Paul would start off in the first part of the letter dealing with doctrinal issues. What do I believe? What, what, what's my theological basis for my faith? What should I believe? Jesus Christ, him crucified, buried and resurrected as the mechanism to get, get, to, get into right standing with God. I believe that's where I get saved. That's a doctrinal theological statement. He tells us what to believe in the first half of his letter. And then in the second half of his letters, he tells us how to live it out in our everyday life. And in his fourth chapter, that's what he's doing. He's gone. He's, he's moved from those first three chapters in telling us what to believe. Now he's telling us how to live. But that's the problem, isn't it? Nobody wants to be told how to live. Am I right about it? How many teenagers do we have in here? You got to a point in your life where you, you didn't want your mom and dad to tell you how to live. Oh, come on. Come on. Look at me. Look at me. How many, how many, how many feel like mom and dad don't know what they're talking about? Okay. 
uh, teenagers, let's go to young adults. Let's go to, uh, you know, you, you, you're still being fed by somebody. Let's say you're a young adult still. I mean, come on, all of us go through these periods of time where we, where we, we you know, we, we're trying to find ourselves, right? Any of y'all, any of y'all still trying to find yourself? Anybody trying to find yourself? All right, I want to help you. Listen, we, listen, we all, I think, went through that period of time where we thought we knew more than our parents. We thought we were, we were smarter. We were much more in tune to what's happening in the world. Am I the only one that went through that stage? I think all of us are here. And see, but, but, but the more and the closer I got to God, brother Don, and the more, the more I began to experience life myself, I began to understand that some of the things that my parents were telling me, they weren't as dumb as I thought they were. As a matter of fact, they were really smart. As a matter of fact, I began to understand that some of the, the basic truths of life that they were putting inside of me and telling me when I was rejecting it, they were truth. And now I teach those to my children. And I know my children sometimes do the very same thing. They think I don't know any better. They think I'm old folk. Kenny Wayne, you just, you just turned 57, didn't you? Uh, we're 57 years old. And sometimes I, I know Kenesha, she, you know, she's, your, she's your pride and joy. She, she does everything you tell her to do, doesn't she? <laughs> Kenesha wouldn't even amen that. She said, uh-uh. But guys, listen to me carefully. God loves us and desires to have intimacy with us. And so here, as Paul writes, he says, they have no sense of shame, unbelievers, Gentiles, okay? Because again, we got a new race of people, right? Jew, Gentile, and what? The church of God, amen? We are part of the church of God, those who name the name of Christ. And he says, he says those unbelievers have no, have, have no sense of shame. They live for lustful pleasure and eagerly practice every kind of impurity. People are doing some of everything. Some of the stuff you see is happening now is not new. People are like, oh, child, what the world coming to the same thing was coming to back here, back then. How, how many of y'all have ever read about Sodom and Gomorrah? Sexual orgies? You know, one thing that's happening now uh, in, in the world of sexuality is that, uh, uh, you know, married couples are now bringing somebody else into their marriage and they're doing threesomes. Okay, pastor, you weren't supposed to say that. I'm saying that because if you are a Christian, you should not have any part of that. The Bible says walk circumspectfully as wise men being able to redeem the time. And see, Christians, don't, go, don't walk around with your head in the sand. Understand what's happening so that you can be in a position to, 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 to provide godly counsel. Because ultimately... Amen. The way of sin is going to end up blowing up in somebody's face, in your face, in my face. If I choose to do it the way the world does it, and I told you before that surveys are telling us many Christians are living the same way that unsaved people are. And so therein lies our problem because God says, I call you out to be different. You are special. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. Don't you let anybody tell you what you're not and what you're not capable of. God loves you. I don't care where you've been, what you've done. God loves you. He, but, but he desires to have intimacy with it. But intimacy with God cannot take place when we're operating in sin. Sin breaks the fellowship with God. Are y'all with me today? They have no sense of shame. They live for lustful pleasure and eagerly practice every kind of impurity. 
So unbelievers give themselves over to lasciviousness, over to all kinds of sensual living. The sixth thing that unbelievers do is unbelievers indulge in all uncleanness with greediness. Unbelievers are greedy. Everybody say greedy. Uncleanness with greediness. Uncleanness means dirty and filthy, to be infested with every kind of unclean, immoral, dirty, polluted behavior. That's what unbelievers do. But Christians, that should not be named amongst us. And lastly, um, uh, the, 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 the unbelievers are covetous. They walk in covetousness. They, they crave, they, they, they grasp, they desire to have more and more. They, they will hoard. Unbelievers are covetous. When you are covetous, that means that you desire stuff that's not yours. Are y'all with me today? So Paul is telling the church, don't live like this. Don't live like this. Let's, let's go back to Ephesians, the fourth chapter, and we're going to move on down here a little bit further. Verse number 19, we'll pick back up there. So the believer is not to walk after the Gentiles, that is, after unsaved men. Our lifestyle should be different. Guys, I'm going to tell you something. Um, you can't live this life without help of the Holy Spirit. I told you before, and I said again. We have to be empowered by the Holy Spirit. We have to embrace the baptism of the Holy Spirit or the baptism with the Holy Spirit. We have to let the Holy Spirit have his way in us. And that won't happen unless we freely yield ourselves to him. God won't come in and slap you upside your head and make you do anything. He gives you a choice. All right. And with that choice comes, amen, uh, uh, the, the, the willpower to be able to do it. So, so again, uh, let's look at this again. Uh, we talked about in our in our in our. Uh, emotional health and spirituality course is that the, there's a great temptation toward a false self. And we'll look at that in Matthew, the fourth chapter. But let's go to verse number 20 of Ephesians, the fourth chapter. We're going to look at this and we're going to move to Jesus' temptation because all of us need to be aware of who we are, who God has made us be. God, God, God loves every last one of us. But I don't mean that God accepts what we do. I mean, listen, I, I thank God that he's a forgiving God. He told us in his word, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us. And he'll do what? He'll cleanse us from all unrighteousness. But I got to be aware enough, self-aware enough to know that when I'm outside the will of God and don't get comfortable being outside of the will of God. All right. Watch what the text says here. After Paul had told this church, this Gentile church, don't act like other Gentiles. Don't act like unbelievers. He tells what those unbelievers do. And then now he says, but that isn't what you learned about Christ. You didn't learn those kind of behaviors about Christ. Look at the next verse. Let's read. Since you have heard about Jesus and have learned the truth that comes from him, text says, throw off your old sinful nature and your former way of life, which is corrupted by lust and deception. Amen. So in uh, verse number 23 says what? Instead, let the spirit, let the spirit, let the spirit renew your thoughts and your attitudes. The spirit of God will renew our thoughts and our attitudes. And verse number 24 says what? Put on your new nature, created to be like God, truly righteous and holy. So let's move, move to Matthew, the fourth chapter right there. This is a very familiar passage of scripture, but I got to share this with you because what we're learning in emotionally healthy spirituality is that we have to become self-aware. Jesus was aware of who he was. And part of that came from the fact that his father affirmed him. As a matter of fact, before you go to Matthew, the fourth chapter, let's go to, I think it's Matthew three, verse number 17. 
after Jesus Christ had been baptized in the Jordan River. Matthew, the third chapter, verse number 17. The great temptation toward a fake self. You know, we've been, you know, the last four years, unfortunately, we've heard, we've heard a lot about fake news. Uh, we heard that term used. Uh, and, and even prior to that, we heard the term fake friends. Y'all, how many of y'all got some fake friends? You, you know what a fake friend is? Somebody who don't love it at all times. A friend, a true friend will, 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 will be with you even when you mess up. They won't, they won't condone what you've done. As a matter of fact, a true friend will call you out when you acting crazy. A true friend will say words that will cut you, but they'll heal you. A true friend, the Bible says, faithful are the wounds of a friend, but the kisses of an enemy are what? Deceitful. Many of you all sitting out here right now don't really have a true friend. And that's unfortunate. That's unfortunate. I've always said this, a husband and wife ought to be best friends before they become husband and wife. I'm going to say it again. I said a husband and wife ought to be best friends. But how you going to be best friends? Y'all can't even talk. How you going to be best friends and every time you talk, you argue? You fuss, you fight. Have you ever thought about why in the world did we enter into covenant relationship with each other and we can't even talk to each other? Except when you agree with me. If you agree with everything I say, then everything's cool. Guys, I'm going to tell you something. I, and I've been married 35 years. And, and during that 35 years of marriage, you could ask me some earlier. We've had some time where there were some rough times where we were not acting like Christians act. We were not communicating. And, and this is usually especially true with men. Men have a difficult time. We have to work at being better communicators. You ain't got the amen, but I know I'm right about it. A man will talk about football. A man will talk about money. A man will talk about his job. And a man will talk about women. But he ain't going much deeper than that unless he's forced to go deeper. And what I'm telling you is God is saying, I need to get you to know me, men and women, but particularly men. I, I, I need you to, to, to know me because I need you to go deeper than that. And some women the same way, you, 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 you only go so far. But God is saying, if you're going to be my disciple, if I'm going to heal that 90% that's beneath the surface, you got to be aware of who you are and what you are. And quit denying it when people tell you what they see. I told you before, ask five people who know you and who know you well and who aren't scared to tell you the truth. Don't go to that person who, who they scared of you. Like, well, you, am I mean? No, you ain't mean. Don't ask that person. They're they scared. Ask somebody who knows you and who's willing to tell you about yourself. My wife does it to me. I mean, and I do that to her. I mean, we, that, and what, what that does is that causes us sometimes to be mad at each other. Huh? Al, you ever been mad at Craig before? <laughs> Craig ever been mad at you before? Yeah, 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 yeah. See, see when, when you're in covenant relationship, I told y'all as your pastor, listen, as your pastor, man, I love every last one of you. I don't care what you've done, where you've been. I'm going to still love you. 
I'm going to be, but I'm going to love you enough to tell you the truth. Because I tell you the truth, I don't become your enemy, do I? Am I your enemy because I came to your house and told you about what, you know, what the word of God says about your issue? Guys, we got to get real with this thing. Because God is looking for the church, the church to be the new race to show the world how to stop all the division. And it's not happening in the world because the church hadn't recognized that it has a problem. We're not self-aware enough to know that the church got a problem. We We think everything is good. The budget is good. The attendance is good. And we have our own little thing. Over the last 30 years, most churches, by and large, have grown by transfer growth. You know what transfer growth is? Moving from one church to the next. And we've forgotten that God's number one commandment for us as a body of believers is to go and make disciples, go and reach the world with the gospel and have people being baptized. New conversions. And I think God has allowed this, me personally, this ain't Bible, this is doilology. I personally believe that God has allowed this pandemic to happen. He, he, certainly God knew it was going to take place, but there's a shifting that's going on. Everything I read says that when church gets back together after the pandemic is over, they're going to be probably 25, 30% of people ain't going to come back. Some, some have already disconnected from EBC and other churches. It's going to be different because it ain't going to be like it used to be. If you're waiting to get back to the way it used to be, you better transform your mindset because I believe God is sifting and he's bringing, he's bringing the true and, and the virtuous church to the forefront and those who just play in church and have a social club, it's going to die out because God knows that time is winding up and we got to get ourselves together. Amen? Watch what the text says here. So you got to be self-aware. Be honest with what you are. Be honest. Man, that's, and that can be tough. I mean, there's a period of time when Maria and I were going through some of this stuff. We were talking about, I'm going to be honest with you. It it was hard for me to look deep beneath the surface. I mean, it's real hard for me to do that. And it's probably hard and uncomfortable for you too. But I'm telling you, it's it's, it's well worth the effort to be honest with yourself. You're going to need some help with this because don't try to do it by yourself. That's why, I'm, as your pastor, we're going through emotionally healthy spirituality. Because I need you to get beneath the surface. I need, I need those, not I, but the Lord wants to use that gift that's in you. But, but because you're scarred, because you're wounded, because you got pains from the past that you have not adequately addressed, it's preventing that gifting that God has placed in you to be utilized to, to advance kingdom business. So we got to get you well emotionally so you can be spiritually mature. Spiritually mature people don't do certain things. Now, anybody is subject to fall and mess up, but I'm talking about patterns of lifestyle. When you're spiritually mature, certain things, certain decisions that you stay away from because God is moving your life. Amen? Every one of us in here is subject to messing up, right? But we should have a lifestyle of that stuff if we're really born again. Watch what the text says here. Now, Jesus, Jesus was self-aware. He knew he was because his father affirmed him. I'm going to tell every father in here, affirm your children. Be involved in your children's life. Speak words of wisdom to your children. Let them see you live a godly lifestyle. That's critically important. Amen. Uh, Notice what the text says here. After Jesus had been baptized in the Jordan River, the text says, and a voice from heaven said what? This is my dearly loved son 
who brings me great joy. The KJV says, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. Here is God the Father talking to God the Son after God the Son has had the, the Spirit, the Holy Spirit descend upon him like a dove and is getting ready to launch him out to public ministry, the Father affirms the Son. Now, wouldn't you think that the Messiah, Jesus Christ, who God in the flesh, would not need affirmation? He absolutely did. Because in his human flesh, he was fully man, yet fully God. So God the Father said, I'm going to affirm my Son. And I'm telling you today, every child needs that affirmation from their father. I said every child needs that affirmation from their father. They need to know that their daddy loves them. Mamas too, come on now. Because there may be some single moms in that same row. Mamas too, but I'm talking about a daddy. A fa- not a daddy, a father. Not a baby daddy, but a father. Somebody who's connected with their children. Somebody who pours in their children. Somebody who's not absent. Somebody who, who spends time, amen, nurturing and developing and, 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 and putting life-giving words inside them. Jesus Christ received the affirmation of the Father. This is, this is my beloved son. He knew he was. God just affirming, you mine. You belong to me. And I'm pleased with you. And I'm launching you into public ministry. So, so, so watch this. So, you, you know, the, the enemy comes anytime your God starts to move. Y'all know that, right? The time you make up your mind to do a certain thing, the enemy's going to come and try to disrupt you. So we see here the great temptation toward a false self. Satan comes and he, 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 he comes and he tries to, 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 to get us to look at life differently. Why are you going to listen to that Pastor Adams and all that stuff he's saying? You know, this is real life out here. Baby, let me tell you something. I live real life. And I thank God for my life. I, I have not done everything perfectly. God knows I haven't. But I thank God that he's blessed me to be where I am at these 57 years of age that I live on this earth. I thank God that he has me walking in the, in, in, in the road I'm walking in right now. I thank God that he gives me the privilege to interface with a body of believers who I love deeply and dearly. Who love, I believe, a body of believers who love the things of God. And want to do what's right. So, so, so first thing that Satan does is to try to get us not to be aware of who we are. Number one is he brings temptation number one, which is I am what I do. Performance. You ask the average man, the first thing that conversation is going to roll around to is what do I do for a living? See, that's, that, that's a fallacy where we, if we get our self-worth from our jobs, then we miss, some, we miss something along the way. Look at Matthew, the fourth chapter. And guys, we're more than what we do. I don't care if you are, if you are a, 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 a street sweeper or you're a custodian. You sweep that flow like, 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 like you're ready to, to make it a mirror for somebody to reflect, see their reflection in. You do it to the best of your I don't care what job. No job that's, that's, that's legal is, should be ever looked down upon. You do it to the best of your ability. Watch what the text says. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be what? Tempted there by the devil. All right? Fasted 40 days and 40 nights. Text says in the next verse, let's read. For 40 days and 40 nights, he fasted and became very hungry. Verse 3 says, during that time, the devil came and said to him, if you are the son of God, tell these stones to become loaves of bread. 
tell him to become loaves of bread. What I am, what I do, performance. He's, he's trying to entice Jesus to perform, to, to utilize, amen, his giftings to, to put on a performance. And guys, I'm going to tell you something. That's one of the, 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 the problems and the thinking shortcomings we have in the church today. Too many people are trying to perform doing stuff for God rather than being with God. All right? So, so, so during that time, the devil came and said to them, if you are the son of God, tell these stones to, be, to become loaves of bread. Verse number four says what? But Jesus told him, no, the scripture says, people do not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. See, I'm not what I do. That's why, guys, listen, I've known guys and people for years and went to school with them for years. And then invariably, when I'm seeing them and talking to them, and they'll call me Doyle or Little Fella. That was my nickname, Kenny. I'm not such a little fella anymore, but that's what they call me. But they call me Doyle. They say, oh, I'm, I'm sorry, Rev. I said, no, I'm, my name ain't Rev. I don't put Rev on my driver's license. I don't get offended if you call me by the name that you know me by because we're in relationship together. It, whenever you find somebody, I, I met a guy just the other day, and the first thing he said was, I'm pastor so-and-so. No, nah, what's your name? <laughs> I'm not saying it's wrong to respect people for that, but don't get caught up in titles. I've been knowing you all my, all, all, all my life. You're my sister. And then I come in and say, hey, and, and, then, and you can, hey, dog, hey, little fella. Um, that, I just passed Adam to you. How silly would that be? But we have some silly people who get, get wrapped up in titles to the point to where it's about their performance, what they do, and not who they are. That's the first impression he comes with. I am what I do, performance. Jesus understood that very carefully. He says, man should not live by bread alone, but by every word that what? Proceeded from the mouth of God. Second temptation he comes with is I am what I have, possessions. Here's one that gets a lot of people tripped up. We get mad when we don't have certain things. or We'll go out and we'll, 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 we'll put our family in jeopardy because we think that our possessions make us better. I got this kind of car. I got this kind of house. I have this amount of money. Listen, baby, learn how to, to like Paul says, learn how to, to live in whatever state I'm in. Paul said, therewith I learned how to be content. I learned how to be a base and I learned how to abound. I learned how to, to, to live when I don't have a whole lot left over at the payday. And I learned how to live when I got an abundance left over. What I have does not make me. And the quicker you learn that, the more, the more free you're going to be. Look at verses 5 through 7. Come on, let's go. We've got to finish this up. I am what I have. Matthew 4, 5 through 7. The text says, then the devil took him to the holy city, drew him to the highest point of the temple. The text says what? And he said, if you are the son of God, jump off. For the scriptures say he will order his angels to protect you, and they will hold you up with their hands so you won't even hurt your foot on the stone. Watch what he said. Jesus responded, every time the enemy came, what did Jesus do? He ran to the scripture. The scriptures say, or it is written in the KJV, the scriptures say, you must not test or tempt the Lord your God. Went to the word. Now, guys, I'm going to tell you something. If we're going to face temptation, if we're, going to, if we're going to put ourselves in a position where we're not allowing these things that try to define us, this, this fake self, by what you have and what you do. I, listen, I, 
listen, I'm going to tell you one of my pet peeves is when people uh, put that stuff out there that way. In other words, they, they place more emphasis on what they do and what they have than who they are. Don't do that. You're going to be uncomfortable in this church trying to do that. Because that's not, that's not me. That, that's not my heart. I mean, I thank God for his blessing, but you, you know, listen, I thank God for his blessing, but it's all about God, not about me. It's not what I have and not what I do. Okay, so everybody get, are y'all listening to me? That's why people, people who want that, that rub on the back and the pat on the back because of what they do, you, you're going to get a little uncomfortable. You're going to get mad at me. So don't get mad right now. I'm giving you permission. Get mad right now and pray and get over it. Because that's not what it's all about. We're not what we possess. And lastly, temptation number three, I am what others think. Popularity. People trying to be popular. You want to be popular. You want to be the most voted, most likely to succeed. You want to have the most likes on Facebook. You want everybody in the family to like you. Everybody ain't going to like you, baby. Especially when you do what God's will says. All that live godly in Christ, Jesus is going to suffer persecution. Everybody at the family get together, they're going to like you when you have the family get together at your house and you tell them they can't drink there. Well, Uncle Bud, that's Uncle Bud. I couldn't tell you what to do with Uncle Bud's house, but this is my house. As for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. Now, you're in my house, so you're going to serve the Lord while you're here. Now, I don't know what you do out there, but there ain't going to be no getting drunk on Thanksgiving here. Love you. You're welcome to come. But I got to have the place that God blessed me with. It's going to walk in purity. And so when you leave, what you want to do? Can't smoke here either. Because you ain't killing me while you're killing yourself. Hello? Do you not know people get die from secondhand smoke? And you have the audacity to come and smoke in my house and gonna kill me while you're killing yourself? Kill yourself, but don't kill me. Listen, I know people struggle with nicotine. I'm praying for you, but it ain't healthy for you. Read the package. It'll kill you. Thank God for those who've been delivered from smoking. Amen? Anybody here been delivered from smoking? Let me see here. We got some? All right. I, I know we have some others who've been delivered, but don't kill yourself. And then certainly don't kill your, your relatives, your, your grandchildren, your, your children while you're killing yourself. Don't do it, okay? I am what others think. Look, look at verse 8 through 11. We're going to close out here. Getting to your authentic self requires following God into a relationship with him that turns your present spirituality upside down. God is trying to shake us up, y'all. Because he's tired of us doing church the way we've done church. Not having kingdom impact. Not, uh, not letting them into those, 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 those places that are underneath the surface that nobody knows about. God says, I want all of you. Like that song, John Legend, all of you. He don't want some of you, he wants all of you. And if, and, and if all of us are honest, if every last one of us in here are honest, are honest, we've been giving God parts of us, ourselves. We had not let him into certain areas. And God says, you got to know yourself before you can really know me. Look at what the text says. Next, the devil took him to the peak of the very high mountain and showed him all the kings of the world and their glory. And, and he says, I will give it all to you, he said, if you will kneel down and worship me. What did Jesus do? He went right back to the word of God. Get out of here, Satan. For the scriptures say, you must worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Every time the enemy came, Jesus went to the word. 
So don't you get trapped with this fakeness that comes as a result of performance, as a result of your possessions, or as a result of popularity. Because none of that stuff lasts. Performance, you won't, you won't be able to perform like you did when you were 25, when you were 75. Hello? In, in a variety of areas, if you know what I mean. Vic, you ran a 4440 when you were 19 to 20, but you can't run no 4440 now. <laughs> You're going to pull something. Performance goes away. Possessions go away. You die, somebody will get your stuff. So why are you tripping over stuff? Huh? When you die, somebody's going to fight. People will, people will, when money and possessions come into play, they start getting crazy. Possessions don't make you. And certainly, this last one, popularity. Popularity wanes. It goes away. You were popular today, but 30 years from now, people aren't even going to know who you are in most cases. So get to know who you really are and let God into those areas so that we can know him better and allow him to, to help us to get to where we need to be. Everybody here, body, right close.